0: About to hit week eight of the Major League Soccer season. And don't look now. Here come the New York Red Bulls. This is the SBI show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Golarsep. What's cracking, buddy? It's
1: funny you mentioned New York Red Bulls because I'll tell you what, uh, about a week, a week and a half ago, they were looking like a complete mess, like nothing like the Supporter Shield winners mm-hmm. of a year ago. And all of a sudden, two wins and a big blowout win this past Wednesday. And all of a sudden, they're starting to look like the real deal.
0: Well, the cure for the New York Red Bulls is clearly playing on Wednesdays, man. They just have to play the rest of the season on Wednesdays. They'll win every game. Yeah, they'll go. They'll go bankrupt because
1: no one goes on Wednesdays. Well, no one uh, go. No, no one,
0: no one goes anyways. Ives, come on. Ah, don't
1: uh, be that. yeah, on. yeah, yeah. They draw pretty well on the weekends. They uh, so, <laughs> but Wednesdays, uh, I don't know. And I don't know many. Uh, there's a couple of teams. Sporting KC draws well on the week. They can pull a good crowd on a Wednesday. Mm. Uh, there aren't many. Even Seattle will draw, you know, probably half what they normally draw. But anyway, the point on the field, the Red Bulls looking good and looking good without Tim Cahill, which, uh, you know, considering he's been injured, uh, pretty impressive on their part. And look, we know Houston is struggling. No doubt about it. They were a tired team. They they were coming off the win. Against, they were coming off against the tie against Philly. They didn't even go back to Houston after that game, they stayed in the New Jersey area. So, you know, you spend five days in the hotel. You go a little stir crazy, maybe you won't have the best game. Red Bulls took it to him, and uh, you know Bradley Wright Phillips, he's the star, hat trick hero, uh, and just as impressive as his hat trick performance was Terry Henry, who was involved in every single goal of the 4 zero thrashing.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean it's it's I think going into the season, you said you know the first Englishman to score a hat trick has to be Jermaine Defoe, but I mean go figure. It's Bradley Wright Phillips who now has in 14 games to the New York Red Bulls five goals, which over over two years, Ivis, you know that that looks pretty good before this. You know, he only had two goals in fourteen games and thirteen games, but you know, five goals in fourteen games. But New York, though, I mean, they defeated Philadelphia last week on Wednesday, and they now, I mean, look, 4-0 thrashing. Come on, that's a big victory. I mean, what has what impressed you the most about New York in these last two victories? I mean, what What are they doing right? What have they done to to you know correct uh, what has been kind of a bumpy bumpy start for them this season?
1: Well, number one, the opponents haven't exactly been powerhouses, right? I mean, Philadelphia came in struggling. And Houston came in struggling. Houston was uh, winless in four coming into this game. Now they've lost four out of five after the blowout. And Philly has been struggling to get results as well. So you start off with that as a starting point. But as far as a positive for the Red Bulls, uh, they've done better in the attack. They've done better, you know, getting chances. Uh, Bradley and Phillips obviously did well. Terry Henry was on his game uh, this this past week. And Obviously, when they beat Philly, Eric Alexander stepped it up. Uh, and Henri as well. So they're showing it. The, the big thing about this Houston game is it's the first game where you could honestly say the Red Bulls put together a complete performance. And even even with that, they I mean, you know, they started slow in the second half. Luis Robles had to come up with some big saves uh, for them. And you know, who knows? Maybe Houston could have made it a game early in the second half, scoring one or two of those chances. And then it could have been a different story. But credit to Robles. He's been outstanding this year. And, uh, you know, as much as their defense definitely gave up some good chances, some good looks. Uh, the Red Bulls attack is, is starting to really come together. And it's scary to think that, you know, they don't even have Tim Cahill yet once he gets back and he's supposed to, you know, it sounds like he's supposed to play. He will travel to Columbus for the big Eastern conference showdown against the crew. Uh, but with him in the lineup, all of a sudden they, they, once again, they look a lot more like that supporter shield winner of last year than they looked, you know, early on in the season.
0: Well, Speaking of New York, Ivis, uh, you mentioned they—they they really haven't played two powerhouses. They got—they got a little bit of a tougher matchup coming this weekend. They're going to be taking on the Columbus Crew on the road. Do you think New York can carry it against Columbus? Make it three matches in a row?
1: It, it's going to be a tough one. The Crew are a good team. They, they've really responded well to to Greg Berhalter's uh, plan and his uh, system that he's implemented uh real possession-based, uh, you know, uh, attack-minded. Uh, a system that that he's put in there and they've they responded well they're playing well uh, and of course they have federico Iguain who can just do damage against anybody so uh, it's gonna be tough it's not going to be easy however having said that the red Bulls match up pretty well when they are clicking because the thing is I think the Columbus crew is a team that as well as they possess the ball as much as they like to put pressure on opposing the defenses they are susceptible to the counterattack and I think the Red Bulls are really good at the counter so if the crew aren't careful they've got to be they've got to watch how much they throw at the Red Bulls and they have to kind of keep some balance because if they don't, and if they get caught with too many numbers forward, the Red Bulls absolutely have the weapons to make them pay.
0: Well, and the same could be said about the Columbus crew. The, the one interesting thing about them going into this game, obviously, I mean, you look at their last three games, they lose to Toronto 0-2, to and, and then they play San Jose to a 1-1 draw, and, and you, look, you can say that DC's playing much better. They, they play them to a 1-1 draw, but... For Columbus, man, I mean, dude, they really had to be just chomping at the bit when they look at the schedule, and they say, look, New York is playing better, but, I mean, they're coming off, you know, three days rest. I mean, this is a game that Columbus can, can really take advantage of, hopefully, an exhausted New York side to kind of get things going again for them.
1: Right, I think that is an advantage. Obviously, uh, the fact that the Red Bulls come in on the short rest, uh, and uh, as much as they had a bit of an easy time with Houston, the, you know, you're still talking about the the extra wear and tear of uh, playing 90 minutes, and a lot of their guys did play. Uh, 90 minutes but having said that this red bulls team is is, is a veteran team and i think they think they'll definitely put up a good fight and uh they could definitely win it's going to be up to the crew to to find uh good balance a uh, good defensive discipline and not get too far get get caught with too many numbers forward mm-hmm. they they've really been going at people with their overlapping fullbacks uh, obviously well and francis is up and down the field and and uh you know josh williams as well so It's going to be up to the Red Bulls to take advantage of that encounter and and, and really try to burn them if the crew get overextended. But the crew, you know what, I'm going to give the edge to the crew just because I think the attacking weapons that they have, when you talk about Higuain and Oduro, Arrieta, uh, I I think they have the weapons to punish the Red Bulls defense. And uh, for me, one of the matchups I'm looking forward to is is Will Trap against whether Tim Cahill plays or Dax McCarty plays. Uh, you know, those guys against Will Trapp, because the young guy is a key for them. And uh, and it's people around the league are starting to take notice of Will Trapp, the U.S. under-20 midfielder, and the quality that he brings and the uh, importance that – the important role he plays in that system. Greg Halter Greg Berhalter has really kind of handed him the keys to the middle. And, uh, you know, that's no easy task to, to do give that to, that responsibility to a young player. But Trapp's taken advantage, and he's done really well. I mean, even today, you know, I, I was at Red Bull Arena. I had a chance to talk with some guys, and – Uh, You know, I talked to Dax McCarty, I talked to Terry Henry, and they both had really good things to say about Will Trapp and and what the job that he's been able to do there. So he's the guy you want to watch in a game like this, because he's going to be up against some pretty good guys in the middle for the Red Bulls. And if he can kind of stand out in that game, that'll just kind of go along in that evolution of of a really talented young American.
0: Well, if it's moving over to the Western Conference, you have Seattle taking on the Colorado Rapids. Seattle's home after a three-match road swing for them, which they uh, they drew on one to Seattle, man, playing really well right now. Right now, two weeks ago really gave it to uh, FC Dallas last week. They came back against Chivas USA and nothing to take away against the Colorado Rapids. They're playing well, too. I guess this is going to be a really tough match, but when you look at the way Seattle's playing with Clint Dempsey, Obi-Femi Martins, uh, Chad Marshall, Lamar Nagel, it just looks like nothing can stop Seattle right now. They should be at home. They should take care of Colorado in this one. Agree? Oh, I'd,
1: I'd say so. I mean, look, nothing against Colorado. They've been getting some pretty good results, but uh, Seattle's a different ballgame, and I think Seattle, especially at home, like you mentioned, coming back home, playing in front of that crazy crowd in Seattle, uh, they're going to be firing on all cylinders, and I really think they're going to test that Colorado defense, and that, look, that Colorado defense isn't exactly a pushover. Uh, they, they've done really well for themselves. They've allowed you know, just one goal in their past three games, and uh, you know, except for that 3-2 loss to KC, if you take that out of the equation and you look at the other five matches, they've allowed two goals in those other five matches, so uh, their defense can cause you problems, but having said that, Clint Dempsey's on fire. Him and Noble Femi Martins, the understanding that they're showing between the two of them, uh, they're really clicking and, and it's just just makes each of them more dangerous. And when you have to stop two guys like that, not just one, when you have to stop two guys playing at that high a level, uh, it's gonna be really tough. And I, I don't know if Colorado's gonna be able to do that.
0: I mean what what can Colorado do in this game? I mean, is there is there anything they could do to, to slow down Clint Dempsey and obi Febby Martins, or or is it just this is the Seattle team that we've expected and they just have so many weapons that it's, hey, pick your poison, because if you pick that guy, well, this other guy's going to punish you over here.
1: Well, I think if you're Colorado and you're going into Seattle facing a team that's been playing as well as Seattle offensively, I think you need to go at their defense, and I, I don't think Colorado can afford to sit back and just park the bus against the uh against the sounders especially as well as they're playing and, and as as well as dempsey and obafemi martins are playing together i think if you're the rapids you need to attack i think you need to throw throw your weapons at the seattle defense i think if there's a weakness there for the seattle it is their back line they can be tested uh they can be scored on so i think that's going to be the key for the rapids can they create chances they can't afford to just sit back and you know hope that a penalty kick or two gets called in their favor they they need to really create chances, and, uh, you know, Dylan Powers obviously is key to that, and and, and the forwards that they have, whether it's Deshaun Brown, uh, you know, Gabriel Torres, Edson Buttle, those guys need to put some pressure on that Seattle defense because if they don't and they let Seattle have the ball and put the pressure on for 90 minutes, it's going to be ugly.
0: Well, moving over to another game in the Western Conference. RSL Ivis is on the road taking on the Vancouver Whitecaps. This is an interesting one because Vancouver – Coming off a draw last week against the, uh, against the um, I'm sorry, RSL's home, excuse me, but Vancouver's coming off a draw against the LA Galaxy the week before they lost to LA and the week before they lost to Colorado. But make no doubt, I mean, Vancouver's playing really good soccer right now. Going to give against RSL, who has not lost a game this year, is this an opportunity for a Vancouver and a player like Darren Maddox, who's had a very good season, do you think he can crack RSL's very stingy defense and Nick Romano? I mean, is this the game that Nick Romano finally isn't, you know, Superman, you know, in disguise.
1: Well, it's tough. I got to tell you, it's tough to, to uh, play at that high level every single week. And look, Romano's been huge this year. Uh, in the games where the RSL defense maybe hasn't been at their sharpest, he's been in there to bail them out. Uh, Vancouver's a different, uh, different kind of team at home. Uh, I think they're a better team, more dangerous team. Uh, so that's going to be the question. Can Vancouver create chances? And I think they can. I think Vancouver. Who ran home with the players? When you want to talk
0: about Pedro Morales, well, I, I, Kenny I, Miller. I, I lied. I have RSL's home in this game. Oh, I make up your mind, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's not right, well, to do. Well, our, our, Vancouver's on the road in this one, which which kind of makes it a little bit tougher at Rio Tinto.
1: It's it's much tougher. It's a whole different ballgame. So that being said, I think Vancouver still has the weapons. They have, as I, The guys that I was just mentioning, Pedro Morales, Darren Maddox, Kenny Miller, uh, Kakuta Mane, whether off the bench or as a starter, they they they've got the speed to cause problems for anybody. Uh, but the question is, will they be able to handle the midfield bat with RSL? And how how do you get the ball away from them? Keep the ball away from them and really build up some kind of possession because RSL against most teams are gonna they're gonna dominate possession. And I think in this matchup, you're gonna see similar uh, in that regard because you know when you talk about Beckerman. Morales, Grabovoy, just working well together, uh, they're going to make it tough. So I think if it was in Vancouver, I would have given Vancouver a chance to be that first team to beat RSL, but I don't see RSL losing at home uh, to Vancouver.
0: I don't know, man. I, I have a, I, I feel good about Vancouver in this one. I'm going to say Vancouver is going to defeat RSL, hand RSL their first loss on the season.
1: It's it's possible. It could be that classic letdown game. You know, they they definitely got up for that Portland game, even though Portland didn't have a win. There's still that kind of rivalry there that you know they know that Portland's going to they know Portland's going to figure it out. Portland's going to be there in the end, and it was important to send a message in that game. And I think you know what? Maybe they do have a letdown at home.
0: I just see Vancouver, I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, the, the weapons that they have. I mean, there's so many question marks on these guys. But, I mean, if they all hit it on the right day, Vancouver is a very tough team to beat. If Darren Maddox, Pedro Morales can hit it. Matias Laba, I mean, Kenny Miller, that guy, I mean, Kenny Miller has had a pretty much a quiet season for them. So, I mean, well, you know, but, but by Kenny Miller standards. But I don't know, man, I got, I got a feeling about Vancouver in this one. I'm, I'm going to say they're going to win. I was, they're going to score a late goal. I feel RSL is going to let in another late goal, and that's going to be their loss.
1: There you go. That's that's a good – t- bold prediction. Uh, I, I'm not going to go that far. I think RSL is <laughs> going to get the job done 2-1. 2-1
0: RSL. There you go. Uh, Ivis, another game in the Western Conference – well, split conference. Excuse me. Houston at home taking on – well, hosting, excuse me, the Portland Timbers in this one. Both teams, Ivis, looking for a victory. I think Portland still has the advantage in this one. What do you think?
1: Uh, i tell you what. Houston did not look good on Wednesday. I was at the game uh, at Red Bull Arena, and they just looked awful. And look, I know they were tired. I know they were missing Kofi Sarkoti, who they really missed because you know Warren Cravalho just did not have a good night at right back. Um, having said that, I just don't know, man. I, I mean, I know they created chances uh, against the Red Bulls, but you know, I, I, you're know, you talking about two desperate teams, but I think Portland, for me, they played really well against RSL last weekend. Even though they lost that game, I think they, they, they could come away from that game feeling good about at least the fact that they played well. Their, the defense was really organized for the most part, except obviously the one breakdown that led to Ned Grabovoy's goal. But I think Portland's playing better, and, and I think they're going to get it done. I think Portland, I think this is when the bleeding stops and they get that W and, and they start turning things around.
0: For Houston, though, I mean, what w- what is the problem with them? I was, we talked about this going into the season. They have the weapons. Will Bruin, Brad Davis, uh, well, Gar- Garcia, Telly Hall. Is Brad Davis. that brad davis is a big
1: key to them big key for what they do and 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 when you have brad davis it not only does he help set up chances for all of his teammates when you want to talk about the set piece delivery the service from the wing but he also gives you balance in the sense that you can't uh key on oscar bonita garcia it, it it opens up space for everybody uh when brad davis is out there so when he's not out there it just makes them easier to deal with it and andrew driver you know, bless his heart. He's just he's, he is no Brad Davis and it's a huge drop off there. You can kinda let Andrew Driver be if he wants, and you can focus on guys like Garcia, uh Will Bruin and Giles Barnes. But I think once you have uh Brad Davis back, and I don't know if he's gonna be back for
0: this game, but until they get him back, uh they're gonna struggle. Well be- before you rudely interrupt me, I was gonna say, is this Houston Is this the Houston team that we're seeing now? Is this a result of them not going out in the offseason and adding everyone and adding new players, you know, making themselves better? Because let's face it, I was Houston really did not have Houston had a quiet offseason. They did not bring anyone in. You look at their first two wins. Maybe that was a little bit of a mirage. I mean, maybe Houston's going to have to go out and and bring some players in. I agree. I mean, that's like they're going to have to.
1: Well, that's the thing, when you're, and you could say this is similar to the Red Bulls, uh, when you don't revamp your bench, when your bench is a little vulnerable, a couple of injuries leaves you in a real problem, leaves you in a real hole, and I think Houston saw that once Brad Davis, got, uh, Brent Davis went down, it just really brought them down as a group, and, and they just couldn't make up for him, and and obviously, whenever you get, you lose your best or second best player, it's going to be an issue, but... Their bench just doesn't have what you need there to, to make to pick up that slack. I think other teams are better equipped for that kind of situation. So I agree. I agree. I think Houston they do need to go uh, in the in the summer and, and try to make some moves and get maybe get themselves a forward uh, or get themselves another midfielder. I think I think they you know as as constituted. I don't think anything's changed uh, from what I saw, what I thought they would be going into this season, which is a team that does have some nice pieces, but they're just not deep enough. And I think that's going to come back to haunt them.
0: Ivis, one of the marquee matchups in Better Believe It, Ivis, where this is not a dream. No one has to pinch anyone. DC United at home taking on FC Dallas. I mean, DC, Ivis, one more victory away from equalizing last year's total. They're on a four match unbeaten streak can DC do it again can, i was, can they equalize three wins that they had last year against a very tough fc dallas team no <laughs> oh, no come on i don't see well, no i don't you see
1: it that's you, right you? You, you look <laughs> fc dallas very good team uh, and i think they're going to get the job done i think look i know it's at home i know dc's at home at rfk but let's be honest is rfk really a fortress i mean you yes. know they they bs they beat new england new england just was awful in that run they still aren't necessarily all the way back they beat the Red Bulls, even though they were thoroughly outplayed by the Red Bulls. Red Bulls really should have won that game, but just their finishing boots weren't on for that one. So, you know, not to be the buzzkill on D.C., but they haven't put that performance together yet. Now, yes, you could say in Columbus, for them to get a point out of Columbus, that's an impressive move for them. And, and I, I, I said that in the last shot. So I thought, you know, they, they did impress me by going to Columbus and, and being able to get a point against a team that absolutely embarrassed them in the first game of the season. So there is clearly improvement underway in D.C., but... You know what? I just I think LA, FC I think FC Dallas is a better team right now, and I don't think FC Dallas is a team that's going to necessarily uh, struggle with with playing on the road because it, again, it's you know it's just being on the road does not make it a tough game. The atmosphere makes it a tough game. How well an opponent is. Uh, uh, plays at their home is, is a part of it. DC United isn't exactly known, at, at least lately, as a team that's great at home. They're not a team that's going to step it up and, and turn it up a notch or two at home. So if you don't have that, you don't have an intimidating crowd, you don't have a crowd that's really you know driving the home team on or scaring the away team. I mean, for all intents and purposes, if you're FC Dallas, you can treat it as an, as, a, as kind of a neutral site game. Like uh, You don't even have to worry about the, that that road advantage. And for that reason it kind of makes things equal. So for me, FC Dallas wins.
0: Neutral match. I I gotta say stuff like that. Hey,
1: listen, Um. I've been around. I'll say what. I've been around long enough that I remember DC United in their heyday when they would draw big crowds to RFK when their crowd was one of the best in the league. And you know what? They still have some of the smartest fans in the league because I can tell you anytime I go there, I see some amazing banners. So they're good at doing the whole banner bit. But, you know, when you talk about years – of being absolutely awful. I mean, this this is a this is a good run of of years now. Open cup win aside and all that, talking about success in the league. DC's been really bad for the most part for the last, I don't know how many years, four or five years, except for that one kind of overachieving year two seasons ago that kind of gave everyone hope. For the most part, they've been pretty bad. And and when you have that long a run of, 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 of bad play or bad results and bad years. It weighs on a on a fan base, and that's clearly what what's happened in DC. Is that, you know, that is, has driven a lot of fans away, and it's going to take more than just some draws or an open cup to get those fans back. You need to ste- you need to step it up. They really need to start winning, becoming a winning team again, and and showing that they can play good soccer. Go out and sign some big names. That's what's going to move the needle. That's what's going to bring the fans back to RFK. And look, let's be honest, RFK as a Stadium is a dump, and everybody knows it. And everyone's waiting for for the stadium situation to resolve itself at RFK. I mean, at DC United, they need a new building. That place with RFK is a dump. I mean, look, I'm a lifelong Redskins fan. All right, all right, I, take it. I in. love RFK. RFK. I don't No, I'm just explaining to you. RFK for me, uh as a, a, you know, as a kid, like RFK was like this this holier than that, holier than holy place for me. And I went, and I remember my first trip to RFK. Uh, back in 1999, and, and and it was a special moment for me to get to go to the stadium where, where the Redskins played, where John Riggins was was the man, and Doug Williams, Mark and all that. But you know what? That was 1999, and even then, it was an old building. So, holy crap, we're 15 years later, That build, they're still using that building. Uh, so, I, everybody knows they need a new stadium. Uh, but in, in lieu of a new stadium, and until you get a new stadium, the least you could do is start putting some serious uh, resources into building yourselves a powerhouse. And until they do that, they're not going to have a true home field advantage.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think DC, going back to the game, Ivis and not ripping on DC's home stadium, oh, completely unnecessary. I think <laughs> I think DC's going to struggle with FC Dallas' speed in this one. Between Fabian Castile, Javon Watson, uh, E.R. Benitez, Kellen Acosta. Uh, Acosta, excuse me. I, I just think to, to D.C., unless they sit back and, and really play prevent against FC Dallas, I think they're going to struggle in this one. Moving over to another game, Ivis, before you rip on D.C. some more. Uh, New England, Kansas City. New England is at home in this one. Uh, I mean, look, they've been playing better, though, but any chance against Kansas City and Dom Dwyer, the red-hot Dom Dwyer? Well,
1: will tell you what. You know, Casey's rolling, and then, and New England's a little up and down, but let's not forget the last time Kansas City— Went to Gillette Stadium. It was the playoffs, and New England beat them, shook things up in the Eastern Conference. They're a different team at home, and I know they're still they're struggling. Kellen Rose been out. We've had, we've talked about it over and over that their attack just isn't quite there. Uh, having said that, it's tough. It's tough to play at Gillette. So I think you know Sporting KC. Uh, it, I, I honestly think Sporting KC will be happy to get out of there with a draw, just because it's such a tough place to play. You got the turf. Get the pretty crappy turf there and all that. So for me, I think New England actually has a chance to get a game, uh, get a result out of this. I think a draw uh, is a realistic possibility for them. And even though KC, for me, is a better team and, and you know, they've won three out of four. So they're obviously on, on on a hitting a good rhythm. But going to New England, going up there and getting a result not not easy for everybody.
0: Montreal is at home hosting the Philadelphia Union. who, who gets the Who gets the revenge here first, Ivis Jack McInerney or Andrew Winger? Who gets it first? Well,
1: you know it's funny because that's good, you know that that's going to get some of the headlines. the uh, The fact and, that that's, that's going to fo- get all the
0: headlines. Come on,
1: not necessarily because I tell you what, the subplot in this is the fact that this is a matchup between the two teams whose coaches are probably the closest to get fired. In MLS, When you think about right now, as we speak in the league, Montreal is in a world of hurt and Philadelphia is underachieving. Philadelphia is on a six match winless streak. They have one win in eight matches, which I can tell you the owners up in, in Philly, the owners down in Philly are not happy about that because they invested quite a bit. To revamp this team, they went out and got Marisa Do. They signed Christian Maidana as, the, as a designated player. They went and got Vincent Nogueira, who you know, even though he's a bargain at the price that he's and he's costing, he's been unbelievable for them. To take, they've added all those pieces, and they expect results, and they haven't gotten them. So I gotta, I gotta believe John Hackworth feeling the heat a little bit. And then if you're Montreal, I mean, come on, they haven't won a game yet. Two, four, seven games in a row without a win, and you know, no one's surprised by that. Realistically, outside of Montreal, because, you know, I picked them 19th out of 19 when the season began. I'm pretty sure you had them pretty low. It it all boils down to they're the same team that struggled badly down the stretch. And if Montreal takes this team that was so bad in the stretch run of 2013, and then they don't add anybody, they don't really add anything. So how do you not add anything and then expect different results? I know they've now made the trade for McInerney. And they'd like to think that that's going to change some things. But I don't know, man. I just think my, I think I like Philly's chances of turning things around a lot more than I like Montreal's chances. And that's unfortunate. You know, it's unfortunate. Frank Klopas. I think, you know, I, I, for me, I thought he got a raw deal in Chicago. And, you know, I, I, when he got to Montreal I, I, and I saw the moves that weren't being made, I, I it, it kind of ra- rang an alarm bell for me because I'm like, you know what? He's getting set up to fail because they have not done enough to improve that team. And whether it's Frank Lopez or any other guy they would have brought in there, it it was always going to be hard to get results there.
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, we talked about that in the offseason. We just – look, I had Montreal ranked 20. I had Divas FC on top of Montreal, so. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ivis, last game of the weekend, San Jose, Chivas USA. Uh, San Jose still looking for their first victory this season. They're at home. Look, Chivas USA, say what you want, Ivis. They are playing really well. Granted, they're losing Tommy McNamara. However, though, Chivas USA, man. I mean, I'm sorry, San Jose. I think this is their for opportunity to get the first win this season. Do you agree?
1: Uh, I think they could do it. I mean, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're at home. They're, they're obviously a tough, tough team to deal with at home. And Chivas USA, for all the promise uh, of that, that start to their season when they, they had, uh, you know, uh, a win in two draws in their first four. And, and, and yes, they are playing better. They're, they're competitive in most of these games. Uh, but I don't know. No, I, I, you know, the McNamara injury is a big blow for them, no mm-hmm. question about it. Um, I think it's gonna be tough for them going into San Jose. I think San Jose is gonna be real physical with them. I think Wandelowski is gonna be a problem. He's he's on form. Shea Salinas, for me, I think he's gonna have a big game here. So why, look for Salinas to cause some serious problems. And look for one to get at least one goal. And yes, San Jose will get their first win of the season.
0: God, I, I wish sometimes we could read to people what the comments we say to each other during the show. Dude, the comment you just said to me is highly inappropriate. I can't even say it. Well, this is why I
1: didn't say it on the show. But yeah. thank you for pointing that out. That yeah, was kind so, of, yeah. way to narc me out.
0: I appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> I missed this show. What 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 SBI show would be complete without expansion talk? we got to talk it again. Orlando City politicians, not not, not Orlando City, but the city of Orlando politicians are upset that Atlanta doesn't have to build a soccer stadium. Do they have a gripe? Do they have an argument here, Ivis? Or are they just blowing hot water? What do you think?
1: I understand where the politicians are coming from. Just on the face of it, it, it does seem like there's a double standard question about it, right? But having said that, how they could compare... Anything that they would have tried to do, other than a soccer stadium, to what Atlanta's doing with a $1 billion sports facility, how can you compare it? How can you sit there and say, well, you we could have done what Atlanta's doing or something similar? No, you couldn't have. You're not building a billion-dollar sports facility. So, in Unless that was part of the plan, unless somebody in Orlando was going to write with a B, then shut up about it. Obviously, I get it. They they'd rather not have to build a stadium. They they would have loved to just let the team play in the Citrus Bowl, which is what they're going to have to do at least to start out in MLS, right? But not but that no. I mean, are there is there a double standard? And it's not just an Orlando and Atlanta thing. There, there's questions about New York City FC as well because they didn't they're not they don't have a stadium ready, and that and a lot of people are looking at that and saying, well, how are they not having a stadium? How is Miami not have anything in place yet? What's going on here? Why is there a double standard? That life's about that, right? Life's about double standards. Not everyone gets treated the same. P- MLS wants New York and needs New York in the league a lot more than they want Orlando in the league. Now they want both in the league. But the MLS has been trying to get a team in New York City proper for over a decade. Like so uh to say, oh well, why do they why do they do special things for certain cities? I mean, that's like do you really? Does it even have to be asked? I mean, it's not. Look, no one ever said life was fair, and no one ever said that. You know what? Some team, some in some, some situations, you know, one side could be treated better than another, or one side has more leverage than another. Atlanta, they build, They're building a billion-dollar facility. Yeah. No one can. No one can sit here and act like uh, they're skimping on. You know, they're playing in a high school field or something like that. No, the owner of that team. Happens to own an NFL team and is building a billion-dollar facility there that's going to really take into account soccer, uh, the soccer team. Mm-hmm. So you you know that that if you don't have that if you don't have something exactly like that then what's the gripe? What's the beef? If if Orlando the way Orlando was going to get a team, the only way they were going to get a team is if they could build a stadium there. And 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 that's just the guideline MLS set. It's their league. They can dictate. What market has to do what, and no, and who, like, and exactly why does it have to be exactly the same across the board? It's not. Not every city is the same. Not every market is the same. Yeah. So, I think it's a little naive to sit here and and, and act all shocked, like, oh, oh, why, do, why do they have to pay more than we do or less than we do? Like, they really like. Is anyone sitting? I, I highly doubt. highly doubt that the owners in New York are sitting. Uh, the NYCFC owners are going. Well, why are we? Paying 100 million, and Atlanta's paying 70 million. I'm pretty sure NYCFC understands the ball game. They understand why. They understand why things cost a little more for a New York team than they do in other places. That's just how it goes. Sometimes that works in your favor, where where maybe you get some leeway in certain cases. And other times it works against you when you have to pay more money for an expansion team. So from that standpoint, I understand why a politician who really doesn't look at all that doesn't take all that into account and only cares about his city and doesn't look at the context of things and doesn't and is really just completely oblivious to the concept of why a sports league would want certain markets in their league more than others uh i can understand why that person would just not get it but i would just tell the general public like look that's just how it goes there's certain markets that 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 have more clout than others, and
0: and you know you have to deal with that. Oh, my, my only take is is on this, and, and I've never been to the Citrus Bowl, so I, I have no idea what it looks like. But to me, there, there's there's stadiums of the past that need to be kept in the past, and the Citrus Bowl. The Citrus Bowl, open, the Citrus Bowl is open. Citrus Bowl is it It's been. I think it opened in 1936, right? And 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 look, I've never been there, but I'm going to compare it to the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. The Cotton Bowl, I'm sorry, it sucks. It's disgusting. It's gross. It needs to be demolished. It was a thing of the past. It's done and over with. And yet Dallas spent all this money renovating it to make it look nice, and it still looks like crap. And I mean, to me, it's like, dude, you can use that money for other stuff. Like, and not, not that I'm saying I don't know how I don't know how the Citrus Bowl is gonna look. But but look, there's certain stadiums that that just are dumps. I mean, like you said, RFK. No matter what you do. It's a dump. Same with the, you know, Philadelphia Eagles' old stadium. I mean, you know, and look, people are saying that about the Columbus Crew New Stadium. To me, it's – look, you, MLS, they don't want their teams playing in, in in bad stadiums. And the Citrus Bowl, no matter how much you spend on it, it's still going to look like how it was. It's just – that's just the way it is, right. man. It's just – to me – Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. There's I mean, certain stadiums I, yeah, that are dumps. I mean, I, mean, I mean, dude, Wrigley Field is like that. And Fenway Park. I mean, I remember I went to Fenway. I glorified it first time I went there. Dude, it sucks. It's gross, and I'm sorry. People oh, are gonna no, be okay, like, just, I'm sorry. People are gonna be like, oh, it's the charm and blah blah blah. All right, cool story, bro. Go to the San Diego Padres stadium, but you know but, you know, but you know what just, I mean, though. Uh, you know, it's it's on. like certain stadiums need to just remain in the past. That's how I see it.
1: Right. Well, I mean, look, the Citrus Bowl like you said, it, it, it's a dump, and 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 anyone that can't, it'd be one thing. Here's the thing. Right? Here's the, If you want to talk about a very uh, like a legitimate, a legitimately comparable situation, if Atlanta. Was being allowed to put their team in some old decrepit building, then there you go, you absolutely could complain, and you know what you could you, you could you'd have much more of a gripe than in this case where Atlanta's building a billion dollar sports facility. The owner of that Atlanta team is putting all that kind of money into it and and, and you know he wants to have his team in that play in that building, and that building is in downtown Atlanta, and downtown Atlanta is a much juicier. Uh, location for MLS to be centralized in than say downtown Orlando, you mm. can understand why they would want Orlando to have a nice new building. I mean, it's 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 totally understandable. Uh, uh, like it's there's there's no it, it, and it's funny because you 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 always get your conspiracy theorists, you always get your people who who jump on any opportunity to paint MLS in a light in a bad light. And look, I I'm not I'll never say if MLS does nothing wrong. They do a lot of stuff wrong. A lot a lot of stuff that that they, they could work on that they could fix but in this instance like what are they what they do wrong what have they done nothing they want certain markets in the league they want certain stadium situations to be handled in different in different ways Orlando needs a, a building they need a nice new facility in there to kind of generate uh generate a, a better game day experience because Orlando isn't exactly uh when you want to talk about downtown orlando and look, I had a great time. I've had a great time in Orlando before, but let's keep it real. Downtown Orlando is not like the best downtown experience you're ever going to find in America. It's just not. So you can understand why they want to put a nice building in there. Why they feel they need a nice building to maximize that market for MLS. So I get that. I get. I totally get that. Whereas when you're talking Atlanta, if they're going to put that Atlanta team in a state-of-the-art facility. Which Atlanta, the uh, which Arthur Blank is building, he's putting he's putting a whole lot of Home Depot money into that facility in a nice location in Atlanta. Like, how is that even comparable? How is that? Uh, it, it, I I mean, I get it, but then at the same time, I'm like, come on, let's like look at it, look at the big picture, look at it closely, and don't just do the knee jerk. Well, well, why why is our why is their piece bigger? Well, you know, like the, like the five year old kid. Uh, you know, at the birthday party it's like, well, oh, why does he get the, you know, like, like, so no, okay, be happy you're in the league and get the job done with the stadium, get your stadium built and then join the party. Stop worrying about what the other leagues, what the other teams are doing.
0: Well, my my thing is to Orlando and, and we'll move on, Ivis, cause, you because know, we went on this a little too far. But I mean, if Orlando still feels like, you know, the league is not treating them fairly and stuff like that, look, keep winning. That, that's the biggest way you can stick it back to the league. Keep winning. Win the USL again this year. Win win, 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 the cup in your first year in Major League Soccer. I mean, that way—that's that, the biggest way you can get back. Sell to the out, league. sell out your, yeah. sell out your building. I mean, right? I mean yeah, just sell I mean, that, there's there's easy ways to kind of just stick it back. Orlando, to the league. Just here, pro- prove it. You know? Yeah, I mean,
1: let's be look at it this way. Orlando didn't even have pro soccer four years ago. They didn't even have pro soccer at all four years ago, and now they're coming to MLS. I mean, that's crazy. That for that. I mean, look, credit all credit due to Phil Rollins and that ownership group to you know to start to, to to build something from nothing and to stir something up, get a fan base, get build up that up so quickly. I mean, it's a it was a blueprint a blueprint for building a team. But having said that, there that that short history, that lack of history, uh, there's a reason why you would think a, a, a pro league like MLS would want some more assurances, would want something more concrete. No pun intended. They, they want a stadium. They want their own stadium, their own MLS stadium in that market. And and that's why. I mean, Atlanta has a lot more soccer history than Orlando. And we're not just talking the Silverbacks. It goes even before that. So – It's like I, you know, I get it. I get why politicians and politicians. That's what they do. At the end of the day, politicians are. Their job is to stick up for their town, their constituents. They're not. They don't care about what anyone else is doing. They care about their slice of the whole pie. But you know what? Those of us who are looking out, out from the outside looking in, and look at the whole picture, look at the whole league. You, you know, we need to understand, and I'm pretty sure most folks get it, that. Not all markets are created equal. Not all markets are dealing with the same things. Mm-hmm. And all of, having said all that, that Atlanta facility is amazing. Like, like how anyone could sit there and say, "Well, how do how come they get to play in that, and we have to build our own our own stadium?" <laughs> that that for me that honestly that made me laugh.
0: All right, Ivis. I'm sure we'll talk about this next week too. <laughs> T- 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 horrible transition, but but we'll talk more about expansion because I'm sure something will come up by, by the time we record another show. Uh, Ivis, Toronto FC's Michael Bradley underwent a foot procedure to remove a a nerve. It was um, a nerve issue, excuse me. It was something that was planned before the season, so it doesn't look too serious to Michael Bradley, but on, on another note, Toronto will continue to suck without Michael Bradley. So get well, Michael Bradley, Toronto needs you pretty badly.
1: Right. Well, look, to be fair and 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 I do want to clarify this so on the last show. No, no, no. no
0: Cuz in the last show, uh
1: when we talked about FC Dallas in Toronto, I definitely talked like Michael Bradley didn't play, but he did play against FC Dallas. And you know, they they were missing other players, but they did they were not missing Michael Bradley. Now, how well how effective was he? Obviously, with the foot injury with the with whatever it is that he's been dealing with, you know, that 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 that's a big question there. But now, you know, it's good to see him get this procedure. And I'm sure some people were freaking out when they heard anything like, oh, Michael Bradley foot surgery, the World Cup's less than two months away. Holy crap, right? Well, it sounds like it's all good. It sounds like it's a pretty simple process and that he should be back pretty shortly. So from that standpoint, I think U.S. fans can breathe a little easy because, as we all know, uh, there aren't many U.S. players uh, who are tougher to replace than Michael Bradley.
0: I agree with you on that. Also this week the US Open Cup announced the largest field ever. Is this the year, Ivis? We'll see an NPSL team or an adult amateur team win win the win the cup. <laughs> have you played in the US Open Cup? No, I want to so badly. I keep telling my buddies, like I you know, because What do you have
1: to do to play? What well, do you have to do?
0: Okay, so like Aren't I, you the champion of your league? You no, well that that's co ed. We can't get a co ed team in there. Uh, really? See, I keep telling mm-hmm. the guys, though, because, you know, like, you know, you, you know, NASL, MLS, and USL Pro, all the teams advance automatically. PDL, I think the top two teams in each division automatically advance. And then and then there's all these, like, regional tournaments that, like, you can, like, sign your, like, adult men's league team up, you know, like what Cal FC did pretty much. I, 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 nice. If there's people in Arizona listening to this show that are good players, I mean, dude, I, please, I, I want to sign up and play in an Open Cup match. It'd be probably against some other crap amateur league team where everyone has beer bellies, but I think it'd be too much fun.
1: Well, well aren't, aren't you like the fourth string fullback for Arizona United? I mean, what's going on? <laughs> of, I mean, no. I thought, aren't you like the media guy? What's
0: going on? Yeah, easy. I was take it. But anyways, though, the U.S. Open <laughs> Cup announced the largest field ever. I'm looking forward to it. You know I, I, you know me, man. I'm always going to root for the underdogs. So hopefully we'll see uh, some USL pro and some NESL teams, maybe even a PDL team, make some deep runs this year.
1: I don't know about that. Well, no, I think so many SL teams will do that. I think I think the Cosmos, obviously everyone wants to see what the Cosmos can do. And they're they're a stacked team, no question about it. I, I think it's going to be fun to see who they get matched up with. Uh, you know, I haven't had a chance to look at the bracket, but uh, I think the Cosmos can absolutely make a deep run. And, uh, you know, and, and MLS teams, the you know, I don't know if they can get away with fielding reserve teams and backups because I can tell you right now the Cosmos are going to throw everything they have. At that tournament, they want to win that tournament, and I'm pretty sure they're not even done building their team. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if they went out and signed a few more big names. Uh, so yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be fun to watch. And NASL's and got quite a few good teams that that uh, have some quality that can make runs. I mean, San Antonio, Minnesota, even Indy Eleven in their first year. You know, I said it before the season; I thought they would do well, and they're off to a pretty decent start. So uh, NASL, watch out. I think they, I think they are gonna make some noise.
0: Wait, say tournament again. What's that? Say say tournament again. I, your Jersey accent came out right there. Tournament. Yeah, there it is. Uh, I was <laughs> what oh, did the, I the, 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 just the way you say. You really don't have like an East Coast, New York, Jersey accent, but for some reason, on tournament, it, it kind of came out right there tur- for a second. Tournament. No, tournament? you, you know, you're saying like tournament. Yeah. I, I can't say it. Anyways, forget about it. Uh, Chris okay. Pontius, Ivis, to miss four to six months with a hamstring injury. I mean, horrible news. I mean, hopefully, uh, he gets back in time to maybe play a couple games before the season ends.
1: A couple, well, you know, if they're in playoff position, he could end up being a factor for them in the postseason. It is, and it is a huge blow. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, he he's a player that when he's been healthy in his career in MLS, he's been he's been great. Like he's been a real impact player. Unfortunately, he's really been beset by injuries, and you know, some have been unlucky, some have been him getting fouled, but others have been just, just his own body kind of betraying him and and letting him down a bit. Uh, so you know, we wish him a speedy recovery. He's one of the nice guys in the league, and and you know, if he comes back he'll definitely be a, a factor for them. But you wonder, you know, does DC expect him back? You know, that might have been, uh, that probably obviously was a driving force behind their, their acquisition of Chris Rolfe. You know, they, they they had to see the writing on the wall there uh, with Pontius. But you know what? He's still a young guy, and I think he'll come back, and I think he'll do well.
0: Uh, Heading over to some European news, Manchester United fired David Moyes. I mean, I'm sure everyone knows his, uh, that he got fired because, you know, there were tons of pictures making fun of him and, Manchester United fans going crazy on Facebook and crap like that. Uh, I think it's unfair. I mean, they gave Alex Ferguson nineteen years. I mean, they gave this guy what three months? Pff, come on, totally unfair. <laughs> uh,
1: it, it, you know what? It was a tough situation because it wasn't just it's about. A the Tough results. situation for anyone. It, well, right, it's a, it's a big job, but no, I think it's, when I say it was a tough, tough situation, mm-hmm. it was a tough situation because he had a falling out with his players. You know, they, they kind of tuned him out. He, he 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 he. I think he succumbed. To the pressure a bit. I think the results not going their way. And look, they had injuries. They, they you know, they've been they've missed Van Persie They've missed Rooney for, for really long stretches. Uh, and not, you know, not to make excuses because even with the, but even without that, and even without Fellaini, who's who was their big signing, and he really hasn't given them anything this year. Uh, a lot of things went against them. A lot of things went went against Moyes in that regard. I happen to be someone who thought he could do well in that position. So uh, I still think he's a good manager, and I think he'll do well wherever he goes. You know, this just might have been. Uh, a step too far for him or, or a bit just kind of, you know, combination of bad luck and and, and not being ready for that kind of uh, big, big team. So I, I'm I'm curious to see who they bring in there because obviously you're going to hear all kinds of names. Uh, but, you know, I have no idea who they're going to bring in.
0: Well, I called my cousin Tom Cleverly and I was like, dude, take it easy. You know, and he's like, oh, okay. You know, so I, I tried my hardest, <laughs> you know.
1: Well, well, you know, from what I understand, part of – Part of Moyes' downfall was cleverly and, and his boys, uh, you know, partying it up after the loss to Bayern. And, uh, you know, Moyes apparently pun- decided to punish them, even though they didn't really break any team rules. Uh, and I think that led to the, you know, that that kind of led to the team for finally turning on him. So uh, good job there with your family.
0: I try, dude. He wouldn't listen to me. Uh, some other European or oh, more English soccer news. <laughs> Chelsea-Liverpool this weekend, Chelsea to bench their stars, which, I mean, at this point should guarantee Liverpool win the title in the Premier League, which uh, I'm sure 99% of the fans listening to the show probably went, ugh, Liverpool winning the title, ugh.
1: 99%? Really? You don't I think don't... there are any Liverpool fans listening
0: know. to the show? Oh, Come I'm on. sure I'm sure, all, I'm sure There's like... Liverpool fans everywhere. <laughs>
1: Do not listen, listen. Do not sleep... I'm all just Liverpool uh, fans, and if there's a fan base you do not want to piss off, it's Liverpool fans. So I know, I know. I can that's tell you right that's, now, you guaranteed I, I, to get I, about 10, 10 to 20 hate tweets to uh, win this show posts, just, <laughs> and it's going to spread. There's going to be, be hashtags involved. You're going to probably have to quit Twitter now, so good job. What,
0: what but the, I will What's, say what's, what's, what's the – come on, what, 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 what is the worst that could do? I mean, you're mean enough to me anyway, so I mean, I'm pretty sure I can handle everything at this nah, point. Nah, yeah, you
1: should, have th- you should have thick skin by now. Come on, man. That's hey. what I do. I make I – you know, I make my uh, make my people tough, man. That's what I do. But uh, I, I tell you what. Look, Chelsea, yes, they are going to rest. They are going to rest probably, it seems like, they're going to rest their stars for the Champions League second leg uh, on Wednesday. But I would say this. Don't rule Chelsea out because it's still Mourinho. Mourinho finds a way. And if anyone can take their B team in, in, in to face a team like Liverpool, as hot as they are, and stop them, them it's it's marino and chelsea so uh don't don't rule out uh, a chelsea shock win there
0: well iviz man that wraps up uh today's sbi 134 episode show before we go into the weekend man anything we need to talk about i think i think we covered we didn't, i don't think we covered everything but I, th- I think we got most of the stuff on today's show
1: yeah i think we got it all and you know if one i would definitely like to apologize to everybody for the Haphazard scheduling of our shows—we've just had a lot of things uh, go on against us. We, you know, the old Murphy's Law uh, adage is definitely applied over the last few episodes. And uh, you know, we will try to get back into more of yes. more of a normal routine. I, I know a lot of people get used to their having their shows on Monday morning and Friday morning to get them through their day. And, and and you know, we appreciate those of you who listen to us regularly. And and we will work to get back on that kind of routine schedule.
0: Yes, Ivis and I will try to do that. But we'll have a show. You know, you and I will record a show Sunday night. We'll have something up Monday morning, and, and we'll get back there. So, Ivis, man, anything else we got to talk about before we wrap up?
1: Well, we won't do it this show, but I think for the next show, we'll bring back the head-to-head Q and A. I think a lot of people like that. They like the non-soccer stuff when we start talking about kind of general topics and uh, you know, picking each other's brains and uh, getting, letting people get some insight into those of us who put the show together. So I think we'll do that uh, probably for the next. We'll save that for the next.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm down for that. Well, Ivis, man, I, I think that wraps everything up. So you have a good weekend. Don't worry. I'll have a good weekend. And uh, I'll talk to you on Sunday night, all right, bud?
1: Yes, sir, man. And have fun editing out all of the curse words that we've been dropping.
0: Yeah, I'm glad everyone appreciated that, that subtle f-bomb that i dropped on the last show so <laughs> uh,
1: yeah I, I made him wash his mouth that would soap. don't you worry
0: i didn't realize it till everyone called me out in the comments i, I it's funny Everyone in of the comments was like that was so funny so i'm glad people appreciate when the occasional bad word slips on this show but for the most part we try to
1: keep it clean yeah. we try to keep it professional but you know what every once in a while we slip up and uh, i don't know i think Garrett. i think you still lead in the career uh, curse standings.
0: Oh, dude, I, I curse like a sailor, man. I mean, you. I think you've hung out with me enough. I, I curse all the time. The the fact that I don't curse on the show that that often is, it's, it's. I'm impressed with myself. I'm impressed with myself for a lot of yeah. things, but but that but, but that's besides the point. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll try to keep it. We're always going to keep it clean as a show. We're never going to just have the gratuitous, uh, cursing. And look, nothing against the people who do that. You know, it's their thing. Some people, it's a shtick. They they want to. Uh, you know, Whether it's shock value or, or, or keeping the regular guy motif going, it, it, it's not how we do it. We You won't hear too many curses from us, but if you do, it'll make you laugh.
0: I completely agree. All right, Avis, well, have a good night. Have, so have a good night. Have a good weekend. I'll talk to you Sunday, all right, bud? Sounds good. All right, and as always, everyone, thank you for listening. This is the SBI Show.